this week on Dig Me Out. With your hosts, Jason Diaz and Tim Minichi. Jay, we're back again with another episode thanks to our Dig Me Out Union on Patreon. You can help us make the next episode happen by joining us at dmounion.com or digmeoutunion.com. Speaking of the union, we've got a new union member, Jay. Jason Carr, welcome to the union. Hopefully he's related to... um... Eric Carr. Or we'll take Derek or David, but right. I would prefer um some good Eric Carr stories. Yes. I don't I don't know that Derek or David have any really good stories. Right. <laughs> kind of had uh not the best uh go at it. Go at it. Um this week is a it's one of our polls. It's our December 2022 poll. We're going to review the winner of that. But before we do, we're trying out this thing where we talk about something that's actually happening in the moment. And one of our patrons, um, I believe it was Kyle Bittner, posted in our Discord that the Hold Steady have announced a new record to come out this March. It's called The Price of Progress. Uh, it is a 90-minute spoken word uh, album on the economic uh downturn uh no wait it's it's a rock and roll album don't worry it's a it's a a rock opera yes about the recession that actually makes sense that the whole study would release a rock opera about a recession um (laughs) so the first single uh that was released is called sideways skull and we're going to check it out neither of us have heard this we don't know what it sounds like. I mean, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure it's going to sound like the whole steady, but I right, don't know what this right. incarnation is going to sound like. So, um, I don't think do it's going to sound like sound like Radiohead. <laughs> I didn't expect them to do a cover of 15 Steps, but okay. <laughs> so some album, some artwork here. It looks a little. Uh, That's not the album art. The album art is the is it? the image of the building. Okay. Single art? Am I looking at here? Maybe. Has some like Freemason vibes going on. Yes, it's connected to the Da Vinci Code by Dan Brown. The all-seeing eye here, which mm-hmm. we also have for the uh, steering committee on the MO Union. So it's very powerful. Wow, that sounds a little fuzzed out. Yeah, I I have read both in terms of our discord and some other comments that this is this recording is muddy Hmm. i don't know if that's intentional or if it's just like a bad rip or something but that's a very muddy sounding i mean this is the official youtube so this should be as well as you can get okay the sound is different Mm -hmm. let's let's keep going She took a quick picture, but even when we squinted, I didn't look so much like Robert Plant. She flew a flag that she made from a bed sheet. A sideways skull. I mean, the vocals are what you expect. Absolutely. Asymmetrical's way more diabolical. You don't want to make it look too perfect, man. The trick is not getting simple. Is there like something echo on his voice or like reverb? Or is that just my head? Yeah, a little bit. It's a really weird sound for them okay that's the chorus i would expect yep well it helps that they have uh franz nicolay is that the guitar or the the keyboard player yeah he's back in the band the last couple records so She said we're gonna do a show at the pyramids. She said she needs to take a call from her lawyers. 
Introduce me to the dudes that she's calling her crew. Like, I guess those chord changes are not what I would expect from them. Mm-hmm. Kind of minor or something. Yeah, this sounds more like uh, like a, a Stone Gossard Pearl Jam song. Yeah. That's an obscure reference. <laughs> okay. Is that, a, uh, that was like a harmonized lead. It's like there. a little Finn Lizzy harmonized guitar lick there. Thought we were going to get into like a solo or something, but I guess not. Yeah. Um, what do you think of the, these backup vocals? Like, I mean, I, I like the idea, but. There is something going on with this mix that I do not. Yeah. It's, he's very present up front in the mix in yeah. a way that I'm not used to. It sounds very uh, dry, like direct. Yeah. Well, it sounds like he has a, I don't know what mic they're using, but it's, it's real different. Can't put my finger on it, but there's something unusual with this mix. Hmm. You want to keep going? There's another two minutes. Now we'd have to do it. I mean. So first impressions, where are you at? I mean, it sounds like the the hold steady that I like in terms of the energy. Um, I don't know that anything will surpass Stay Positive or, you know, that that era of the band. Yeah, I've liked what they've done recently, but it hasn't like fully recaptured my interest. Right. It's more like I listen to it and then I kind of move on to something else. I don't know the I gotta I'd be real interested to hear what that sounds like in the context of the album like if the whole album sounds like that like if that's a conscious choice to make a real fuzzed out kind of lo-fi-ish almost sound then that's cool that they went in that direction or if this is just like a weird one-off I'm not sure yeah I guess I think of them as like a a band with a live sound Mm -hmm. and it just doesn't sound live it sounds like a bedroom recording or something or like direct guitars and yeah like even those backup vocals they sound a little too perfect <laughs> the right when i think of the background vocals i think <laughs> of like your your friends jumped on stage yeah at the yeah, bar and are that's like doing the woohoos behind you right i don't want the perfect woohoos from like motown samples or something right a little raucous little somebody's a right. little bit off but it's it's mostly there. Yeah. That's I mean, because I think of them as like a indie version of this of Bruce Springsteen and the E Street band in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. Yep. Um so sorry, gaslight anthem. <laughs> <laughs> uh they gave that up, so you don't have to worry about that. Okay. Um, but I, I'd give this a thumbs up. I liked it. Uh I'm curious to hear what the rest of the record's gonna sound like in comparison. Um, but I dug it and I, I, I was smiling at some of his like his lyrical references are always fun. Yeah. So when I hear like Robert Plant getting mentioned, I know like we're up for some good stuff. <laughs> Indeed. Is that a thumbs up for you as well? Uh, I'm lukewarm on it. Okay. I, I mean, it sounds like one of their songs from a songwriting standpoint. The sound is just really throwing me. Got it. I have to, I have to hear where the rest of the record goes. If it's all going to be like that, uh, it's going to take me a minute. Right. Okay. Let's get into our review for this month, or for this month, for this episode. It's the December month album poll. 27 albums entered. Only six were chosen for the final group. And one came away with it. So in round one, we had Tonics, Sugar, Three Pound Vultures, Three Pound Thrills, Vulture, Godhead Silos, Share the Fantasy, The Morgan Fields, Thrash Walls, Soul Asylums, Let Your Dim Lights Shine, Steel Pole, Bathtubs, Miracle of Sound and Motion, Union Carbide Productions, From Influence to Ignorance, and also Slash the Snake Pits, Snake Pit, It's 5 O'Clock Somewhere, and Drain, STH, Freaks of Nature. The winners of round one were Soul Asylum and Tonic. In the second round. So it's, you know, the, probably the more popular records. Mm-hmm. Yep. Definitely out of those. This yeah. was an interesting group here. 
Mr. Bungles, California. Nickelback, Curb. <laughs> what? Yep. <laughs> That's quite a juxtaposition there. Okay. Uh, six Finger Satellite, Severe Exposure. Smudge, You, Me, Car Park, Now. Acre, The Vision Splendid, Matthew Ryan, Mayday, Bell, A Clear Sense of Beauty, Flop, Flop and the Fall of Mop Squeezer, Faster Pussycat, Whipped. Now, <laughs> what, a, what a lineup. So out of that, it was Mr. Bungle, yep. Faster Pussycat, but then there was a tie. Yep. So flop made it as well. Right? Yep. That's why, okay. The December uh the, the final poll looks a little weird right. in terms of it's, its artwork. At seven instead of six. It's kind of a Tetris piece there. <laughs> it's a little abstract. And then in the third of the three polls, it was Bon Jovi's These Days. Love it. Seven six four hero, get here and stay. Uh the self-titled by Man Will Surrender. The self-titled by Limb Lifter, Turn It Upside Down by The Spin Doctors, Beyond Salvation by The Angels, Danger, Danger, For the Hard Way, Babes in Toyland, Fontanelle, and Cowards, self-titled. The winners out of this group were Babes in Toyland and Limb Lifter. So we went with Babes in Toyland, Limb Lifter, Tonic, Soul Asylum, Mr. Bungle, Flop, and Faster Pussycat for the final seven because of the tie. This could have gone any which way. I mean, it, it was pretty spread out for a while. But coming in at number one, just beating out Babes in Toyland was the self-titled record by Limb Lifter. Jay, were you familiar with, with this record? Well, just because of the uh, Age of Electric review we did and Got it. the Discord, um, this, this uh, album is pretty popular amongst our uh, members on the uh, the discord so had it not been for that review and our community would have no idea this ever existed or know anything about it and frankly like could never have imagined it would win but since i was familiar with the community it didn't surprise me a whole lot that that it right. did win because it felt like this had been you know ha- it was going to come one way or the other so Right. Let's put it this way. If this was on like a general Facebook poll, limb lifter ain't winning. <laughs> right, 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 right. This was a studious decision here. Yeah. Uh, we got some uh, comments from folks. Kyle Bittner said, limb lifter it is. It's an amazing album full of quirky lyrics and guitar work. Canadian classic. Nate Smith said also limb, limb lifter because, well, it's time. Right. <laughs> Phil Fleming said, can we vote for Limb Lifter twice and veto Bon Jovi? Come on. Let's, Don't let's... be harsh on Johnny. Yeah. <laughs> Gavin said, I genuinely feel like a lot of you are trolling me here now. Nickelback, Bon Jovi, the Spin Doctors. <laughs> Look, the 90s happened. Hey, man. We got to cover it all. They did. It all happened. Joe Royland said, tempted to go with the Angels, but Limb Lifter is going to have to win this round for me. Uh, we also got to thank uh, Scott Algram, Jeremy Amend. Um, Whitney Biller was torn between Limb Lifter and Coward. He didn't say who we picked, so there we go. Uh, Scott Witt, thank you, Gabriel, Gabriel Gutierrez, uh, Bill Davison, Davidson. Oh, I can't pronounce anybody's name tonight. Uh, Jim Copany, Darren Leach. Thank you all. Who else commented? Uh, Willie Dillon. Uh, he was he said lift those limbs in the final poll. <laughs> um, them's, li- them, them's limbs been lifted. And Richard Waterman, because I love y'all, I've switched to limb lifter. So he might have been the final vote cast that helped oh, limb lifter the- win this thing. Yeah, it was tight. So it was tight. Thanks also to Jason Carr on the early polls, Patrick Carter, Patrick Testa, Eric Peterson, Martin Kay, Adam Rogan, James Stelter. Thank you all for commenting. We're going to talk about this record now that was originally suggested by Kyle Bittner. He said this would be a nice companion piece to the recently reviewed Age of Electric, Electric, plus at 37 minutes and 12 songs. It's about as concise 
as it gets. Uh, yeah, that's pretty good for a CD. You could have yeah. they could have made twice this, and it still would have been an album in the nineties. Sure, no bonus tracks, no hidden tracks, nope. no no funny business, no silliness. Let's talk about uh, a little bit of history of this band. History of the band. As mentioned, they're connected to Age of Electric. This was actually the side project hmm. for the Doll Brothers from Age of Electric, which had formed um, in 89. So this forms in 96. This is seven years after Age of Electric forms. They get together with um, Ian Summers and they practiced like less than a dozen times and then p- recorded the record thinking oh it was just they were just doing like a side project thing. It wasn't going to be a big deal. Right. And then they had three or uh, two hits off of it. So that's how that went. And then they went back and made make a pest to pest, a pest to pet the, the next year. Oh, OK. I and put that out. So these followed each other one after the other. Do you know what the what the did you say hits? So on this, um, the song "Screwed It Up" went to number sixty nine on the overall can- can- Canadian chart singles chart, and it went to number fourteen on the Canadian alt rock chart. And then Tinfoil was released; it didn't chart. And then two songs on the next record, uh, "Bella Clava." Uh, went to 13 and 15 on the Canadian alt-rock chart as well. Okay, wow. And then um, Kurt Dahl joined uh, the New Pornographers when um, this band, after this band released their second record. Um, and he's played with them, and uh, he's played in the Matthew Good Band, and then also um, other folks that have been in and out of these bands um, I've also played with Matthew Good, both as a, I guess as is, I guess he went from the Matthew Good band to just being Matthew Good, and they became his backup band when he was just Matthew Good, gotcha. not the Matthew Good band. Even though he has a band as Matthew Good, <laughs> it's just not the Matthew Good band. Right. Well, it's like when you know Springsteen isn't with the E Street Band. It makes total sense. <laughs> he still has to have a band. I just get it, Springsteen. But it's okay. <laughs> so let's get into this record, Jay. Tell me one thing you liked about the self-titled album by Limb Lifter. Uh, I, I may have said this in the um, Age of Electric review as well. I, they just have a really unique uh, sense of melody. The phrasing to me is like really interesting in that it's familiar in some ways and then kind of quirky and not in others uh the way that they've mostly vocally uh you know there's some something some of that going on guitar wise with the riffs and the chord choices but i was really focused on the vocals on this record Uh, i like that it's um they kind of got that at the core there's a strong melodic sense you know for the most part these are you know, pop rock songs. And I like that they're sticking to just an honest guitar band format. There are some other instruments mixed in here. There's a little piano. There's a couple of harmonica somewhere, you know, little things, little flourishes that kind of keep it interesting. But for the most part, you know, it sounds like said Gav, you know, four or five guys who've been, or people who have been, you know, rehearsing and, go into a studio and, you know, for the most part, put an honest recording down. Uh, not a lot of bells and whistles and overdubs, which I think helps, you know, kind of make it a cohesive um, concept. The the other thing that I like that's going on here is um, there's some really cool little guitar parts. I think the Vicious and Tinfoil are good examples of, uh, sorry, um, vi- uh, Vicious and Opinata. Opinata, uh, Opinata, uh, are good examples of build out the melodic theme of the song. Mm-hmm. So it's really when you hear the guitar lead come in, it's like, oh yeah, of course that would be the 
the lead, you know, it plays off of what I've heard before and it reinforces that. It's not just like a random new melody they introduce. Uh, so I thought that was, you know, really clever, clever and, and well crafted. And then I think the last thing, you know, within that format, for the most part, you know, honest band production, mostly sticking in a mid-tempo to up-tempo space. You know, there's not really a ballad on here. There's a 6-8 song, Beer to Bees, Beer to Bees, but no, like, trying to really go off, you know, in, in some other direction, experimental or, you know, trying to write a power ballad or something. You know, there's none of that. It's sort of in this pretty consistent tempo and space, but they do introduce some aggression that I think is really helpful on the record. And that's either done through um, the tempos and the drumming or the vocal. I think there's some you know songs on here where he really, or it almost sounds, I don't even know vocally what's going on. Cause there's sounds like many different voices uh, where they really push some air. And you mm-hmm. hear the voice break and, you know, it's really up front on um, Death to Fire and really loud. So I do like that they, you know, push the vocal, push some aggression. There's some fuzzy guitars that get a little gnarly sounding. There's some layering of guitars that get a little noisy and chaotic at times. I think that really helps elevate it a little bit beyond just like mid-tempo commercial rock, alternative rock space, and it's something that has some real grit, which I think is helpful. Uh, and I think a good example of that is Sunk Tinfoil, where it's, you know, it's up-tempo, but it's also super melodic and um, kind of fun-sounding. Um, so, I guess uh, Round the Two is another example of that, where it almost sounds like a super chunk song. You know, it's like that, like super fast, not super fast, but a really good uh, tempo. Uh, but it's kind of sugary too. So there's this sort of duality of like fun, but, you know, high energy. And uh, I think that works really well. So that's some of the stuff that worked for me. How about you? Well, as far as vocals go, um, I dug this record a lot. I, I and it's mostly Ryan Dahl singing. Kurt Dahl sings Tinfoil, Beard of Bees, and Round the Two. Everything else is Ryan. And when Ryan rips, like, do I feel involved when he's like sc- belting that out? Yeah. That is so cool because he's he's able to do it and put, you know, there are a lot of vocalists we we review over the years where they have a good vocal but they don't really stretch it they don't ever push it they don't ever yeah. like really dig in and get some grit and he totally attacks um these vocal lines and, and these melodies and it sounds really cool on uh, that song um tinfoil you mentioned in passing that had like a super drag kind of vibe to me mm-hmm. um i could hear john davis singing that song and it had that vibe but i just I, they're so I think between this and and make a pest a pet, like whatever uh they grew up listening to really congealed into a really interesting mix of it's a little bit power pop, it's a little bit alternative. I mean, they clearly have some shops in the songwriting department to put out that record this year, and then the record the next year, they're yeah. both 
really catchy. I like if this comes out. I know this didn't get a big release in the U.S., but like this could have been something in the U.S. I feel like some of these songs are just so catchy that in an age where of of like ninety five, ninety six. 97 like there was such an opening for bands with just just get out there with one song and make some sort of an impression on rock radio and mtv like all they needed was a a video <laughs> really yeah. and i don't i mean they were on mercury that was not the biggest label at the time we, we weren't seeing a lot of stuff from them and i don't even know what their u.s distribution really looked like um, I know that album cover because I remember seeing it in cutout bins. I don't think I ever bought it or looked at it because I was like, yeah. I don't know what this is supposed to be. It, it doesn't tell you a whole lot. I mean, no. And the next one is even weirder. Like you look at it, and you go, what is, is this like Atari Teenage Riot or right. like what? what? <laughs> so well, the name, the band name, too, is like, it doesn't give me any clue. <laughs> like, what am I getting into here? No, and I will say they have a little trouble naming their bands because quite frankly, neither band name the Age of Electric, I don't you could be Craftwork band. You know? Yeah. That, that doesn't tell me a whole lot either. So and that makes a big difference. I mean that we we weren't at the the bands yet, you know, like the strokes, the white stripes, black street, black keys, all that kind of stuff. But I feel like you could have gotten away with what was the thing in the 90s? You either put like two, you put two words together, like Pearl Jam, Green Day, Soul Asylum, although they were an 80s band. Yeah. Uh, or you need a number, like Seven yeah. Mary Three, Third Eye Blind, or, or Soul, just, Soul Coffee. You, you just pick one, like mundane word, like tool. Or Super, Super Drac, Super yeah. Drac, Super Grass, Super Deluxe. So, like, maybe like, well, let's rename this band Super Limb. There you go. Super limb. <laughs> or soul limb soul. <laughs> soul. Soul lifter. There you go. Soul lifter. Boom. Uh, per- performing soul lifter at a, four. At a rock and roll church near you. Yes. <laughs> anyway. Like opening this with vicious. Like that's such that's such a good song. So catchy. Um and it's throughout the record, like even the songs that are a bit heavier and and they're never they're never like metal heavy, but they they're a little bit dirtier, a little bit faster. Yeah. Um, they're still very melodic. They're still the power pop, pop punk. If you want to go in that direction, like round the two is a very fast song. So it's not a bunch of like sort of predictable mid-tempo alt-rock songs. I mean, there's a lot of variety that they cram into for the most part in like two and a half to three and a half minutes. Like there's only one song over four minutes. Most of these are short and fast and, you know, they're getting to like the chorus in 30 seconds. They're getting to uh, the bridge in like two minutes. I mean, these are, these are, well constructed usually you're hearing the guitar riff like once or twice if at that and you're getting into the vocal so i really appreciated their arrangements too because it's just it's just well constructed in a way that um takes time to to learn that so yeah Yeah, for sure especially with the story that you shared at the beginning about how this record was made um yeah they sound more crafted than than that. So, yeah, and I think they also sound like 
you mentioned the six eight song "Fear to Bees." This has a a maturity to it that I was, um, you know, I know these guys are you know been playing in bands for years, but like, there's an aspect to this that sounds they're just like very confident, and this being the debut of you know it's obviously two brothers who've been playing with each other, but then another member in the band um playing bass and uh it just it, like these songs don't sound like they were written in 10 practices and right. then recorded you know what i mean like this sounds way more refined and yeah for like, sure it's um it's hard to wrap my brain around that aspect of it also like that they do mix up the tones a lot like there's some real fuzzy st- guitar tones yeah in some of the songs and and real chimey you know it's it's uh it's not a sometimes you get 90s records and you know they find that one guitar tone and that's what they stick to yeah even the even the drum sounds very up a little a little bit like do i feel involved has a very different drum sound on it mm-hmm. the bass is you know adds some has some fuzz on it and then yeah, there's there's a lot of range on the guitar tones as well, but it still feels like I don't know the same band. There's never any moment where you're like, whoa, we're you know sometimes when we review records where they take a a shift in either changing tones or style, and it's so dramatic you feel like you put a different record on. That right. that's never the case here. What did you think of um, Ryan Dahl going with the? Uh falsetto on cellophane did you like that yeah i think the um it starts off as a as a nice change change of pace uh, it gets a little grating after a while but i i appreciate the dynamic approach to the vocals like they're not afraid to try different things mm-hmm. vocally um i think e- even to the point of like even when the the songs are maybe a little bit more intense or you know like there's more of a whisper approach to some of the vocals. There's some where they're fully belting. Uh, I, I hear singers from like Aaron Perino to like um, Soul Asylum to Collective Soul to like, you know, all kinds of different, you know, even the posies a little bit and some of the harmonies, all kinds of different singers and, and bands uh, just by listening to the vocals on this record because there's just so much variety there. Yeah, I thought in terms of what getting into what didn't work, that was an example where it was a cool idea, but it was used too much. Like that's like an accent. That's not a yeah. don't if you're gonna do the whole song in a falsetto, it better have a disco beat and <laughs> yeah, you know, a thump and bass line. Um I felt like there were a couple spots where it got a little uh unremarkable. Um, sure there's a lot of the stuff is really cool and then there is somewhere i go that's a fine i guess album track like it, it's not something that i would revisit all, every time when i listen to the record uh, it happens more in the back half of the record than on the front half i think the the first six songs or so or even eight because there's like a little i'm not counting the seven second or no, track seven the untitled track yeah so I guess I'm going to have a little bit of a harsher take now okay. <laughs> on, on the record. It's weird for me because this band has a sound that really tees you up to expect like monster hooks and to expect, you know, be walking around the house singing these songs. And I wasn't doing that. I found okay. myself listening to the record and mostly, you know, enjoying it, hearing things I liked, appreciating like, oh, wow, that's a really cool melody. But like the choruses were not, I guess, living, they weren't paying off in the expectations uh, that the rest of the verses in the sound of the band was setting. I guess I was expecting just much bigger choruses and hookier choruses. In a lot of cases, they're, you get to the chorus and it's like, oh, this is the pre-chorus. Wow, we're really going to pay it off. And it's like, no, they just keep saying that line over and over again. You're like, hmm. I, do I feel involved is a great example. Like, 
you were talking about the vocal, like he just starts laying into this super intense vocal. And you're like, oh man, this is going to explode into this awesome chorus. And it doesn't, they just keep doing that. And he just keeps singing louder and louder and louder and louder. And you're like, ah, where's the big, where's the big, you know, epic chorus or the shift to like the unexpected twist. I was left a little wanting um, there. And I think not that every record has to have, you know, tons of hooks, but to me, that's what this record is promising. When I first started listening to it and listening to the sound of the band, it's like, oh, wow, I'm going to get like amazing choruses and I'm going to be singing, you know, when I walk away, like, and I'm, you know, just tooling around the house. I'm not going to be able to get these earworms out of my head. That didn't happen. For me on this record hmm. so I, I can't help but like and then as i started to analyze that i started to realize why like maybe you know some either lyrically or just from a delivery or from a chord standpoint like they're all set up there to have these big choruses that don't quite happen interesting that's an unexpected twist <laughs> see i did because there were like songs like I understand what you're saying in terms of if there is not like a cheap trick, massive hook, but yeah. there are memorable, re- repetitive yeah. lines. Mm-hmm. It's like death to fire and do I feel involved and vicious has a, has a good chorus that I remember the melody and um, some of those, I, I, I guess you could also do the test. Like if you took a, cheap trick song and you handed that to anybody with a good acoustic guitar and said, Hey, play this song. The hook would still be there on some of these songs. I think if you hand it and like here, uh, you know, mm-hmm. beginning guitar student, here are the chords perform this song for us. I don't know that you'd be able to just like get the same sense of, uh, where those hooks are because a lot of it's in like the vocal delivery and, the sort of that dynamics and the attitude versus really compelling melodies. I think the compelling melodies are usually in the verses. Um, Let me play devil's advocate. Yeah. Maybe reducing it down to one guitar and acoustic guitar would actually help the vocal become more uh, elevate. Yeah. Cause I think also a lot of times like this isn't mixed like a pop record, like the vocals are clear and present, but they're not like, dominant in the mix yeah uh and it's and in some cases they're like pretty on par with what the guitars are doing in terms of um volume and i wonder if taking away that second guitar you know stripping it down would actually make the vocals pop a little bit more um because i think they're there maybe we're you know this is hitting each of us differently that's okay uh yeah it's, it's for me it's just expectations mm-hmm. like i just when i got on the record i was like "Ooh, this is going to be sugary and well in some ways it's quite there yeah i mean th- you know what's interesting is there are times when i listen to records that are described as power pop and i think or even when sometimes when i listen to sloan records yeah i'm taken by i know these guys can you know kill it but sometimes it's more restrained than I'm expecting. And I go, Oh, okay. This is just sort of, I mean, it's good, but it's not like a massive hook. It's right. more like it's clever and it's smart and well-constructed, but it's not giving me the, 
the anthem maybe that I'm yeah. looking for. Yeah. Which I kind I of think, I think this record can kind of fit in that category. I don't think there's like a there's not like one killer song, although Vicious is a very good single or lead off track. Um, I don't think it actually was a single, but like the if screwed it up was the biggest single in Canada. I mean, the chorus is like screwed it up, screwed it up, screwed it up, screwed it up. It's like, I mean, that is not like, whoa, mm-hmm. <laughs> you're not gonna have a stadium singing along to that, you know? And no, mm, that's what I guess I was expecting. But these are the people that elevated Rush and the Tragically Hip <laughs> into True. God, like status. True. And uh, the Tragically Hip don't exactly have uh, this is true normal lyrics. I think Canadians actually appreciate uh, lyrics that maybe are a little bit more uh, complex, and uh, you know they want to sing, want us, want people to sing about uh, hockey and um, the Toronto Airport Code. Did you notice that the song Tinfoil followed the song Cellophane? I was like, wow, we're covering all of the kitchen. This next (laughs) song is called (laughs) Tupperware. It's called. What's the what's the sticky easy stuff? Uh, oh, press man, and seal. You, yeah, this, this next song is called Press and Seal. <laughs> I don't know why he's British. They're in Canada. Uh, <laughs> Aluminium, wax paper. Yes, I got some. This this is a jam called parchment paper. <laughs> Come on, guys! There was a real opportunity here for a concept record. That, that I didn't think about that. A whole line of, yeah. So I mentioned um, what I thought about in terms of this coming out in the U.S. in in '96. I I gotta imagine College Radio played this. I don't know what CMJ and you know that looked like at this time, but I would imagine this got some spins on some college radio stations. Um, let's talk about our overall ratings. What do we think about this record, Jay? Is it a worthy album? Is it a better EP, or is it a decent single? I'm actually going to come in at an EP. Um, okay. I think Vicious, Tinfoil, I Wonder If, Beard of Bees. I actually think the record ends strong. I think Round the Two and Opinata are really probably my favorite two songs on the record. I think they have, the to me, the best choruses and overall are like melodically the strongest and they're just concise and punchy. I mean, I think they're both exactly two minutes and 36 seconds. Uh, they just feel like really put together well. I wish the rest of the record was more in that vein. I don't, I'm finding the more I listen to the record and sort of analyze it, I was not liking, I was more critical of like the mid-tempo stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe I wonder if it was an exception. exception. I think Beard of Bees is actually like, it's the 6-8 kind of, it almost has like a 50s ballad kind of vibe going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just thought like from a songwriting standpoint, that one was also pretty strong. But uh, other than those two, you know, I tend to like the stuff that's more bombastic and um, a little more up-tempo. And I'm just more critical of the, when they bring the tempo down and there's more space and I just I think in those songs I really want those choruses to be even bigger than because uh, they don't have the tempo to kind of carry them to carry the energy and I just found myself being a little disappointed every time they got to the chorus even though I was you know really into the verses and the sound of the song and excited about where it was going to go. Where'd you land? Well, I'm at eight songs, so I believe I'm at a worthy album. Uh, I would go vicious, tin foil, screwed it up. Do I feel involved? Dominant monkey, death to fire, round two, and open yada. Those would be my eight. So I think we're on different ends of this record. Possibly, yeah. Uh, and that hasn't happened in a while. It's okay. I mean, this isn't oh. like a seaweed situation. This isn't. Uh... <laughs> no, I mean, I think you're you're at a, you're at an eight song album, right? 
mm-hmm. is what you said. So I would say that's like a soft album and I'm at a EP. So that's You're at a hard that, EP. That's not that far. Uh, yeah, I am. Cause it's one, two, three, four, five, well, like six songs. But this, okay. the, this record's only 36 minutes. So six songs, that's what, 15, 20 minutes. Right. So yeah. Um, yeah. That's very much in an EP space. Okay. Well, that's our review of the self-titled 1996 album limb lifter suggested by kyle bittner if you would like to be like kyle you can go to digmeoutpodcast.com and you can suggest an album and then um it will go into jay's little uh pneumatic tube he'll receive it (laughs) oh man i wish that would be so great every time every time one comes in it's just And you open it up and you're like, what's this? What's today's album? <laughs> and then you, you poke it through a, 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 a you poke it with a, a needle and a string. And then it like, it goes away like the papal vote. Like that just, just like it's. <laughs> I burn it. There's a little cloud as puff of smoke. Yep. After you, after you write it in the ledger, right. yep. put it, you have a quill and you write it into the ledger. <laughs> it's like you can see right into my room. There you go. It's a, it's a fascinating process. Magical. Fascinating. Uh, if you would like to suggest an album, that's what you do. Go to the page, you dump it in there, and then every uh, month we pick out 27 records. This is helping us get through the, the backlog of many, many suggestions over many, many years that we are behind in. Also, when you go to uh, digmeoutpodcast.com, you can sign up for the Box newsletter, which is a newsletter that comes out every weekend featuring the latest releases from 80s and 90s artists things like albums books movies tv shows documentaries that kind of stuff let's be honest mostly albums so now that we're going to do this season we're doing 2000s doing the aughts Mm -hmm. instead of the 80s should we include the aughts in our new releases well we do kind of because like we talk like if the whole study put out a record, we we include it because the whole yeah. study has a connection to a 90s band. Um, we'll have to, you know, I feel like there's some bands that we probably are not talking about because they didn't start exactly in the 90s. But we'll think about that. Right. That's a good point. Or ponder that. We'll ponder it at Patreon. It's where our patrons hang out, and it's where our patrons go to vote in these polls, Jay. Did you know that? Of course you did. I did know that. (laughs) I don't know much, but I knew that. And uh, for as little as two bucks a month, you can join us, vote in the monthly polls, vote in the album suggestion polls by our patrons. You get access to the full list of 80s episodes that we've done over the last three or four years. And this year... We start doing 2000s. That's 2000 to 2009. January 1st, 2000 to December 31st, 2009. It shall not break that. (laughs) We'll be doing six bonus episodes based on the contributions of our patrons. We're giving those to us and we'll pick, you know, we'll do a, we'll do a poll and we'll leave it up to them to pick. And then that's our steering committee does that. And then we'll be doing some 2000s episodes. And I'm excited because there's a lot of stuff that happened in the aughts. Yeah. That was I, fun I would say there's a, there are a lot of 2000s albums that I really love that I just lost track of. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm looking forward to not only the new discoveries, but also ho- hopefully getting a chance to pull out some records that that I do remember liking a lot and just, I think because it was the, f- the first decade of like heavy MP3 buying things from the Apple iTunes store, downloading stuff from like MP3 services, MP3, is it e-music? I think I Rhapsody. had for a while. And like you would, yeah, just get a bunch of MP3s and you would get so many a month you could download or something like all these weird different, you know, mm-hmm services and stuff well and then you can start buying singles on itunes right you have to buy albums wasn't buying cds so i ended up with all these mp3s that like i just forget i even have Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh or don't listen to so i have a five terabyte external hard drive and i bet half of it is just mp3s 
yeah. that I downloaded from LimeWire, that I downloaded from those services, that I downloaded yeah. from iTunes, that I downloaded from MP3 blogs when that was a huge thing. Yeah. Every week there'd be like, this is the new single. And then there'd be albums yeah. out there. And I mean, the I Hate the 90s blog, I probably downloaded 400 yeah. or 500 albums just from there. And then when bands started offering downloads with their vinyl purchases, I've got vinyl, I've got MP3s in there. And then you got Bandcamp. It's just like, I have so many MP3s trying to keep yeah. them uh, in one space. Is, I, I, I outgrew my two terabyte external hard drive. I moved to five. Like imagine telling 1990s Tim, <laughs> I have to keep a five terabyte hard drive to store all my music. 90s Tim would would not be understanding like, what a terabyte wow. is. What, you mean a 50 megabyte zip or a hundred megabyte zip drive? <laughs> that was like the max. Anybody? How had. do I get this on my disc? <laughs> is it the floppy or the hard one with the little thing that moves back and forth? We old. We old, Jay. Okay. Lastly, if you like this podcast, if you enjoy what we do, please consider leaving us some positive feedback over at Apple Podcasts. And did you know we have a Twitter or a, I mean a TikTok account? We do. I post stuff on there. We tick and check it out. We tick the talks and we don't stops. Do you, do you like uh, do you do dances or what do you, no? What do you do on there, I post a you know when <laughs> when there's a new episode, I post, and then yeah. I do what's called meme posting. So I steal memes from all around the world that are relevant to '90s music, and I post them on our TikTok. I'm an I'm an aggregator of <laughs> '90s music memes. <laughs> Congratulations with, the, with what you've done with your life. This is what I. This is my <laughs> apex. <laughs> This is the summit. I've reached it. There's nothing left but the fall. I'm a meme ag- aggregator. What do you? So what do you do for a living, sir? Well, what I do is <laughs> I I aggregate memes. It's a whole process. You wouldn't understand. You know how people go and search for buried treasure, like in the bottom of the ocean. Or, or you know, like Indiana Jones, he's searching for the Grail. That's me. Right. I'm looking for the Grail of memes, the holiest of holy. That sounds stressful. I mean, how many different ways can you make fun of the Red Hot Chili Peppers in a meme? That's that's basically <laughs> my goal. Okay, enough enough Chili Pepper hate. Uh, for Jay, I'm Tim. We're out, and we'll be back next week with another episode of Dig Me Out. Yeah.